Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, I'm Promise, and you're listening to a Day of Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the Word, Kyla, can you open us up, open us up in prayer? Yes, I can. <clears throat> in your name, Lord Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for today, God, and we welcome you into our midst, God, that you can give you free reign to move and flow through our Bible study, God, and we ask that you reveal yourself to us and give us the insight that you'd have us to share. Lord, we just thank you for those listening to this Bible study, God, and that you keep them and you help them learn as well, God. Let them hear what it is you want them to hear and that you minister to their hearts. We ask you and thank you for all these things. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. 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 All right. Well, we are getting ready to wrap up our our study in First Peter, uh, I think. So with that, we're in... First Peter chapter 5. Could I get a volunteer to read the first four verses, please? I will. All right, Layla. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I, who am a follow, fellow el- elder, sorry, it says fellow elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd of the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Mm-hmm. All right, so as we begin to discuss this, I'm going to open up to you guys first to share what the Holy Spirit's ministering to you. All right? Okay. So who wants to... Oh, Anne. Of course, to ask any questions that you have. All right? Okay. All right. Thanks, Promise. <laughs> Who wants to begin? I guess I go. All right, Promise. You go. The Lord's bring to my attention a verse 2 where it says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not by... Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those who, those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. The Lord showed me that when the Lord puts us over, not necessarily that He puts us over people, and, like gives you lordship over them, like kings, but that you are the one who shows them how the what how it's done just like how let's say the older sibling is supposed to show the younger ways younger ones how it's done Mm -hmm. okay so in other words be an example yes and have your being honest during the time when you're the example Mm, well that's being honest will be part of being an example, right? Especially if we're exhibiting the nature and character of Christ. Excuse me, I can explain? Yeah, so honesty should naturally be a part of being the example, right? We yes. we acknowledge that Christ, Jesus Christ, is our pattern and example. Why? That's a question. Why, sir? Or anyone, for that matter. Not, not just promise. Anyone can answer. And you want to know why? Christ why is Christ example? the pattern and example? Because that's what it's done. Because he's supposed to be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay. He's our pattern. The yes, in promise our creator. How it's done. In our creator, yes. And all those things. And he demonstrated to us what a true relationship with the Lord is is supposed to look like right a true relationship with our heavenly father being led by the holy spirit is supposed to look like he was the spotless and sacrificial lamb or the 
right, the sacrificial lamb without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. It was perfect in everything he did. He was without sin. So by that standard, because that is the standard, there's not a separate standard for you or I, honesty is already included within that. So if we, or in this case, shepherds or teachers, right? Those that yes. are, are, are and are shepherds or pastors, their terms are for the most part used interchangeably, right? Throughout scripture. Looking at, at it in that way, being the example, honesty is already included in that. You can't have a little bit of deception or a little lie and still be the pattern and example, right? Yes. Okay, because that would be a little leaven or a little blemish. It's still a blemish, is it not? Yes. Okay. A little leaven's going to cause the entirety of the bread to change. Doesn't take a lot. So, if we are going to be an example, a pattern, right? Then everything must be done and held up to, if you will, the standard set forth in Christ, which is the standard for us all. We, We all should be conformed to his image. Now, yes, are our mistakes going to be made? Sure, that's, we're human. And we are, not that that's an excuse. Right, we're in the flesh and we have to get our flesh under control. Same as with Christ. He did that. Right, he was, it, scripture tells us that plainly. He experienced every temptation or anything that there there was. Okay, but yet he conquered and moved through it in victory. Right, moving moving from victory to victory, as Paul talks about in Corinthians. Well, we can do the same thing, and and that's how we should be. So, um, as you pointed out, there, promise honesty. Right, to be honest, is part of the example. There's not a, a difference. Not while we're being an example, also be honest. That just should be happening simultaneously. Okay. Yes. What, what else? And also, what I meant by honest, not like, yes, it goes inside the example, but you actually want to do the role that the Lord puts you in. Okay. Explain. Like with, let's say for example, in Genesis, Esau, Esau sorry, sold his birthright. Okay. Like. So not despising it? Yes. Okay. But actually loving your role because you get to lead and guide other people into the Lord. Mm. Okay, that's a great point. In order to lead or guide other people, though, what's required? Anyone? You first have to be led and guided. You mm. first have to have an understanding of who God is before you can lead anybody else or teach anyone else. Okay, so you yourself must be submitted to our Heavenly Father and to His will, right? And that has to be demonstrated. Right, we have to be faithful in that, so that the the Lord can assign those to our care or entrust His flock to our care, to be trained, equipped, taught, poured into, fed with the Word, right? Blessed, all the things that a, a shepherd is supposed to do: care, protection, feeding, everything, blessing. Those are requirements. But a shepherd doesn't, isn't supposed to do of his own. It all comes from the Father, right? Jesus being the shepherd, the true shepherd, demonstrated that out as well. Yeah? Yes. Didn't do anything of his own flesh. He trusted his heavenly Father to help him accomplish everything. And in so doing, ministered to everyone their needs. 
So, okay. What else? Like Ponce was saying about verse 2, I think he was, Peter was also getting at when being an elder is more than just the benefits and perks that come along with it, but you still have to actually do the duty and the role. It's not just about what you'll get in all the titles and honor you'll get from it, but you have to be actively and willingly participating in the role that you're placed in. And I can also see that Peter is saying that you should go about your role loving it, not doing it out of because somebody told you that you needed to do it. Like in James, we was talking about how there's a higher price to pay for being a teacher, meaning that you know what you're teaching is right and you're not afraid of what will happen because many times when you know you're doing something wrong, you're afraid of that thing happening to you. You're afraid that you get caught. So Peter is saying that you should enjoy it and you shouldn't be worried that you're, what you're doing is wrong. You should be steadfast and know that what you're doing is pleasing to the Lord and everybody is benefited from that and that there's no deceit or selfishness found in you in this case. That's why he says not doing it for your own gain. Meaning that it's, yes, there's stuff that comes along with being an elder, but it's more so to benefit the people and help them come along and be able to step into that role. Hmm. That's an interesting point. Interesting point. What I would ask you, right? So, is it just elders no. that are in the role of a teacher? No. Okay, no. Well, we can look at it natural means. Are parents teachers? Yes. yes. Okay, why? Because they're responsible to teach their children the way of the Lord and how to go about life. Because a child is unable to do that for itself and knows nothing. Okay, but at the end of childhood, when that that infant, right, goes through the first 18 or 24 years of their life, or whatever it is, right? Yes. And, and they move out. What is the goal or end state? For them to be able to fully survive on their own and not struggle through life. Okay. They, they should be able to, to function and do everything that's required of a parent, if you will, right? Without yes. being a parent, maybe yet themselves, right? Yes. And, and not just to be able to do it and function, but have the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that they can also teach, well, their child, or if they don't have any children, or again, whoever the Lord assigns to their care, yeah? Yes. Okay, so we all experience this, if you will. Now, yes, I'm not taking away from the offices, right, the of, of being a, a shepherd or elder, right, um, which we see de described and defined in, in the Word as well, right, and Paul writes about this um, quite frequently, right, where he says, um, especially in Timothy and Titus, right, if anyone aspires to be an elder, it's a, it's a worthy, it's a noble thing that they aspire to, right? Yes. Okay, but what's the, the key? They must first do what? manage their own household well they should be an example it's not just about their own testimony of what they do or how they raise their children or whatever the case is right there's fruit right so when examined by others just like we've talked about this here recently with Christ what did he say you heard me teach you heard me preach it was in the synagogue constantly Ask them. Ask the people. Right? What do they say? Yes. Okay. So, and as, you, as you look at Scripture, especially in selecting elders, or even um, the first uh, deacons, as it's noted, right, in Scripture, with the first church. It says the apostles dedicated themselves to prayer and the Scriptures, right? Yes. And then they told the people to select from amongst themselves seven people with certain qualifications, as it were, right? Yes. yes. Okay. And the first one being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then there were others, right? And and you see that, that listed out again. Timothy and Titus especially discusses those those things. But, and, and not but to negate it. 
or just in addition to. We all should have all those things. We all should be conducting ourselves in a manner that's worthy for those those offices, those positions. Whether the Lord decides to put us in there at that level, if you will, inside the house of God or not. We still have our own households, which we should be managing in the same way. And, and by manage, I also mean lead in the same way. Right? Yes. The first begins with us. Now, we were having this discussion earlier about um, how to phrase it. I'll say leading and managing, right? As it pertains to us and society. I can show you better than I can tell you. Even at an infant stage, infants learn and, and young children learn by mimicking or mirroring behaviors. And that's how they initially learn. And eventually words come into play and all those other things, right? Yes. Okay. Well, it shouldn't just be do what I say and not what I do, but our actions should be a demonstration of our words, working in unity, right? Yeah. And especially actions and words submitted to the Lord, saying what he says to say, doing what he says to do. And yes, we say that constantly, but that is the standard and the pattern for all of us. As the standard and pattern set forth in Christ, you see it in Moses, and it's the same one that the Holy Spirit says. He takes from the Father and discloses it to us. Nothing of his own initiative. So that's that's two figures of the Godhead that don't speak or do anything unless the Father has said so. Said to say it, or does it, and has that has them do it. And you see again that same pattern set forth in Moses for a, an earthly fleshly being, right? Even though, yes, you saw it in Christ during his ministry. So it's important for us that we understand that. And then, yes, as was pointed out, not under compulsion, as an obligation. All right, but what, how did the Lord go through his ministry? His delight and his desire was to be pleasing was to take care of those that the Lord had entrusted. Right? Yes. Now, we can even look at that in, in depth, right? Because who did the Lord entrust to his care? Or who was entrusted to Christ's care? All the believers and whose names were written in the book of, the Lamb's Book of Life? Ultimately, yes. But during his earthly ministry. Oh, the oh. disciples. The disciples. How many? Twelve. Okay. Twelve of them. Yes, he also had natural obligations to take care of his mother and all those other things, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. But it was the twelve of them. Clearly had more disciples than twelve. If you look at Luke 6, it says what? That he spent all night in prayer, and then, then he chose from amongst them, or as the Father chose, Twelve of them. doesn't say how many that were there. But clearly there were more than twelve, because how did he send them out? In pairs okay. of two. And he sent out seventy at one point. And then there was approximately 120 people in the upper room waiting to receive the Holy Spirit. Right? Yes. yes. But his focus was on the twelve. Everyone else had the benefit, or the opportunity, to be blessed and benefited from hearing the wisdom, knowledge, the instruction, and also to receive the understanding that the Twelve did. And even within the Twelve, there were different levels of knowledge and wisdom and understanding because there was a different desire for a level of intimacy. That's clearly why you see in Scripture where he says, and multiple times, and you took Peter, James, and John. Right? Yes. Okay. So you see that time throughout the word, even amongst his own disciples. And he had to correct things. He had to, there was discipline, right? There was instruction given. Does that make sense? He had to address issues with Thomas and doubting, and or even Peter. When he addresses him, he says, get behind me, Satan. And this is one of the people that wanted to be close to him, right? 
Yes. Okay, so you see the same things in Christ and his ministry that Paul describes with Timothy. Hey, conduct your ministry in wisdom. Don't let anyone look down on you because of your age, right? Um, rebuke, exhort, admonish, encourage, all those things. It's all required. Right? Yes. Okay, well, it's no different for us. So uh, we brought up about how, as a parent, ultimately the goal is that when the child grows up and is no longer a child, that they can function and thrive in life, right? Yes. Have the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to accomplish adulthood, right? And and everything that's required as in being an adult. But the knowledge is also able to pass on that knowledge, that understanding, that wisdom that's been poured into them, to their children, and whoever the Lord assigns to their care, right? Okay, well, much in the same way, in this portion of Scripture in Peter, that he's instructing the shepherds to to shepherd the flock of God. Right? It can't be done in our own power. Right? Even, even Solomon, as wise as he was, right? He received the wisdom because he asked the Lord for it. And even in that prayer, he says, Lord, who was able to leave, lead this people of yours? It's interesting. It acknowledges they're not his people, even though he was the king, set over them, appointed to that place. They were still the Lord's people. So what he was doing, if you will, was acknowledging whose people they were. And then in order to do it in a manner that was pleasing to the Lord, he asked the Lord for the wisdom and how to accomplish that, that goal. How to, how to achieve the purpose that the Lord desired to achieve. Right? And I think we, as the church, as the body of Christ, really should and, and probably need to hear this a little differently. Because if we look at the church, what is... And I'm not saying this to, to condemn any pastors or any shepherds or any elders or any of those things. But what is the state of, of the church, of our congregations? Are the people able to stand and function and thrive and wage spiritual warfare and accomplish all the Lord intended us to do? Or have we gotten comfortable just sitting in the pews and hearing the word but not actually applying it to their life? Because as, as a child, right, the whole point is that they apply those things to their lives and they're able to go and do it. So I think we should probably acknowledge some things in and of ourselves and, you know, within maybe the, the congregations that and the people that the Lord has assigned to our care. What is the state? And then me from my role, from my part, what can I do? And ask the Lord, how can I lead this people that you've given me to lead that accomplishes the Lord's plan and goal and purpose? Because ultimately that's what we want, right? We want the Lord's outcome. We want the fullness of the Lord manifested in each and every person. Or it should be, right? Yeah, every yes. one of us conform to the image of the Lord. And understand that's a process. But are we actually accomplishing that goal? I understand this, as just like with children and parents. The child has a, a choice and a, and a role to play, right? You have to come into alignment and move forward and apply those things, right? As a child to your, to, that your parents are pouring into you into your lives, right? I had to do it when I was a child. You have to do it as you're growing and maturing. We all have to do it. And... Yep, there can be resistance and, you know, rejecting ideas and principles and, right, and wisdom and knowledge that's being poured into us. We can, for a number of reasons. We don't understand, you know, uh, we don't see the, the wisdom or, you know, you could even argue because of a lack of maturity, we lack the capacity to understand or to perceive the wisdom that's being given. It doesn't take away from our responsibility to receive it and to apply it to our lives. So, 
I find it really interesting that in this section of scripture, that that's what Peter is addressing and encouraging the shepherds of the flock, of the church, to, to really examine themselves and, and the motivations for, for shepherding God's people. that make sense? Do you have any questions on any of that? Because no. I know it's a lot. No. Well, I think, you know, I, I see a component of this where um, I think there's an admonition in there. Absolutely. So there's always um, there's always an opportunity for a problem in the way that we interpret Scripture when we look at um, a single verse or a chapter because that's not even in the original writing. So we put the breaks and stuff in there for ourselves to make it work in English. So sure. But as we, in the beginning of chapter 4, he starts out you know, talking about friends. Mm-hmm. And he comes into to 5, and here in this section, he goes to the elders among you. He's going to transition as we move on in the same <coughs> way you who are younger. So I think just specifically speaking to the elders here, and mm-hmm. I think specifically he's speaking to those of uh, the Jewish faith or that were Jewish before they um, came to the full knowledge of Christ Absolutely. as the Messiah. So not like Paul talking to the Gentiles here. Correct. And so I think there's a, a component of being counterculture, which is consistent with Christ's message. So mm-hmm. he's telling them, don't lord it over. So I would, I picture this as I think about this being said, as there were some of the elders who were lording it over. Absolutely. And he was in my, telling them, this is not what you do. This is not consistent. So... You know the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, the the religious elite at that time were known to rule over and to lord it over. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to let, remind them, look, this may be where you came from, this may be what you're used to, but that's not what Jesus taught us, mm-hmm. right? So I think there's that component here that's clearly specific to the elders to stop doing what you're doing because what you're doing is wrong because it's out of the flesh, absolutely. Which continues the message that we were just reading at the end of chapter four, or yesterday, um, at the end of chapter four. Right, which is, hey, understand trials and, and where they come from, but then, under, right, as we were discussing, and then have we done anything, sown seeds, and now we're reaping the fruit of that. And, right, and so because lording it over produces divisions and all right, all these other things that we, we discussed, and I won't go into all that again. Right, you can listen to that. Um, for, for the listeners, you can listen to that teaching on, uh, it's the previous day, uh, it's chapter 4. Uh, verses 12 through 19 first Peter 4 12 through 19 but uh, I love how in this there's also a continuation and in the admonishment there's also a continuation if you will of the earlier chapters where Peter's discussing relationships and relationships with people so it, it's almost like uh, he, he took a pause for a second and he discussed relationships what they look like what they're supposed to look like in Christ and it doesn't matter the position and all these other things right if if we are actually exhibiting the nature and character of christ in our life and in our relationship we can we're going to treat everyone regardless of position or placement or whatever in christ with the same honor and respect as we do those that are have been placed in authority over us so um and then it was like almost like there was a a pause, if you will, to talk about, again, um, aspects, nature, and character of, of Christ and, and some further instruction. And now it's like he's following it back up, Peter, that is, is following it back up and discussing relationships again um, within the church. This is a, the first was like kind of how it applies in the general sense and, and how it looks like in the world. And then now he's, he's using that as an example. And kind of overlaying godlike relationships in the church because there's still structure there's still structure in the kingdom it's not done away with and yes we're all brothers and sisters in Christ right but the Lord has still has offices and he's still right and that's acknowledged throughout all the apostles Paul talks about that there's some as apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds or pastors and teachers right so yes so there are offices, and people have them. There, there's the office of an elder. There's, right? I mean, there's, there's structure within the church and within the kingdom. And Paul, though, also talks about the why, right? The why those things, those offices are. And 
yes, we can be appointed, but at various levels, right? We can function in the prophetic gifting or in the shepherding role, as it were. It, it might be at a, a home study group. It might be just with your family. It, or it might be in a Bible study. It might be as a, a teacher, whether that's Sunday school or an actual school, right? We, we still have these roles. And and I see Paul, uh, Paul, Peter, excuse me, acknowledging that here. And and giving, is, as you pointed out, Dean, instruction, as well as admonishment and encouragement. Like, hey, let's do these things because they're right to do. And this is what looks it looks like exhibiting the nature and character of Christ. And this is what it doesn't look like. And let's address the things that it, that it or the current state of things. Bring it back under submission to the Lord. Repent from doing these actions. And let's get it right. Let's move forward in that. And then he continues in his instruction, which is the next section that I would like someone to read. So if I could get a volunteer to read from verse 5 through the end of the chapter, please. I will. All right, Layla, go for it. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed in, with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Sylvanus, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, what did the Holy Spirit minister to you out of that section of scripture? Go for it, Layla. Oh, okay. Two two points. First, we'll talk about being submissive to one another. Okay. If we go back a little bit into Matthew, and the disciples were talking about being the greatest in the kingdom, and Jesus said, he who desires to be great must first be a servant to all. Mm. And we see this element here. Be submissive to one another, not trying to strong hand each other and wrangle each other to do your will, but be unified with one another, working together as a team, as a unit, as a family to accomplish the will of God. Philippians 2 says, um, this is verses 1 through 4, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Why? In the same chapter, skipping down to verse 14 and 15, do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, so explain. It's that is a great passage of scripture. I enjoy it, which earlier on says and have this mind, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? And then, of yes. course, this continues down the thought process, and, and by thought process, I mean what the Holy Spirit was revealing. So, please, explain what the Holy Spirit was ministering to you through that passage of Scripture. He was telling me that it's important that we work with each other, work together. Oftentimes, when we come at, when you think you're older, or something you try to strong arm the ones underneath you your younger siblings I've done that and it's not right for anybody to do it but as a reference I try to strong arm my younger brothers because I felt well I'm second eldest now I get to control you 
but and when I saw scripture about being a leader I misconstrued and thought well that meant I can use them to do whatever I wanted and that's incorrect for anybody to think that uh -huh. what he said was there are overseers but you still work together as a unit as a family as a team together not pushing on each other not using each other as stepping stones but helping each other along the way showing them and guiding them and edifying them in love so that you all finish the race of faith and we all come into communion and fellowship with the lord not leaving one dragging behind and not mm -hmm. the other one speeding off without the others well why why else would submissiveness matter aside from bringing glory to the name of the lord well, when you're trying to strong arm, I assure you, strong arm your peop your siblings or whoever you're working with. You're not watching to see what the devil is doing. You're not paying any attention to anything going on in the spiritual realm. You're concerned of I'm going to get advantage over you. I'm older, and you're going to do what I tell you because I'm in charge. Okay. And that opens the gateway, such a big gateway for the devil to come and wreak havoc in people's lives. Well, it gives them a foothold. Exactly. Sure. And but also, let's look at it from slightly different vantage point right if we in the in the natural or because there's a very natural or fleshly approach right or in a position of power the natural thing is to let everybody know who you are and what position you have right you're in charge and you're the boss okay and if we're doing that and we're constantly concerned about that which is self and selfish selfishness right mm -hmm. what are we not looking out for you don't have time to care for anybody else. It doesn't matter what happens to them because it's all about you. Okay. So then what are they not what are the others not receiving? The edification that they need, the love, the building up, the encouragement, mm -hmm. the instruction, the pattern the and example that they need. There Correct. you go. They're not having their needs ministered to. How will you have time to do that? But the submission, right? As you can look in, in Acts especially the beginning of Acts, where it talks about the, the first church. And um, what does it say about them? Because you, you read it in Philippians. Be in one mind, and in one voice, and in one accord. Right? That's what they were yes. all doing while seeking and waiting to receive the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Each and every one. That's what they want. So the submission is first to the Lord. And this is the basis for all these relationships that Peter is discussing and has discussed within this first epistle, first letter, is submission is first to the Lord, right? Love, which is the first yes. great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, body, soul, and strength. And the second greatest commandment is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. For no one ever so, hated his flesh okay. but cherished it. <clears throat> and, that, and that's... In another section of scripture, absolutely, where the discusses relationships with the with spouses and <coughs> excuse me, right? Yes. But it says neighbor. It doesn't say just the Christians, just the believers. It is neighbor. That's everyone. Everyone the Lord places in our path. Look out for. Excuse me, everyone. It says the same thing in Jeremiah, right? Look out for the prosperity, even in even in captivity. Look out for the prosperity of the welfare of the city. In their prosperity is your prosperity, right? So we see the same message time and time again, right? And and of course he addresses the shepherds first, right? Because leaders, those that lead, are, are typically who is the ones who are the ones teaching and giving the example, right? And we are, we covered this the other day. Judgment first starts in the house of God. Okay. Well, we as leaders in, in the house of the Lord should be the example to Christians, believers, and non-believers alike. Okay. We have to be submitted to the Lord. And when we are submitted to the Lord, then there is also a submission that happens to each other. I, because it's also a command, right? want to look out for you and your well-being. I'm there to build you up, not to let you know how important I am and my place and my status that one the Lord gave me, right? I didn't yes. snatch it for myself, but my goal then is to build you up that you are able to then um, 
come into the position, the place, the office, whatever it is that the Lord has for you. Right. And, and execute the duties and responsibilities that are a part of that in excellence and fullness and completion, bringing glory and honor to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay? So uh, it's impossible to do both. Right? We can't serve man and God. Right? Yes. We have to be submitted to the Lord. And that matters. That absolutely matters. What did Jesus even say about about relationships? And we told his mother and his brothers are outside. He said what? Who is my mother and my brother except those that do the will of my but father? Those that do the will of the father. Okay, so if we are submitted to the Lord, to his will, what he has purposed for us to do and to accomplish, right? Those are that are assigned to our care will have their needs met. They will be protected. They will be blessed. They will be fed. Everything that the Lord desired for us to do to help encourage, equip, admonish, train, and teach that they can also do and e- or execute the job in its fullness because they also are taught. And, and the primary thing is what a true, a real, personal, deep, and intimate relationship with the Lord looks like. For themselves and because of that knowing who God is not just knowing about him but knowing him his nature his character how to walk with him will help set the the tone and the course for their entire life and the lot and impact the lives of those around them does that make sense yes okay what else um, and then you see Peter, he gives the warning. He says, be sober, be vigilant, which is watchful, be aware. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You can see there's that hidden warning in there. There's that temptation that we overlook and that we often fall into because we're, we're thinking about the power that we've got now, the position, the title whatever it is and we we fall trap uh like pray to that trap and and we miss god in that and now we've got the devil with his foothold in the person's life doing things that you that he that you don't want him to do which is something you would claim but you know that mm. could that could be looked at both ways you you really did want it because you didn't do what you're supposed to but then again that's a totally another conversation for another time but um and we fall like prey to that because we often lose sight once God blesses us with power. Now we, we turn our eyes off of him and go, okay, God, I got this. You, you go sit down somewhere and wrap yourself up in your robe. I got this, God. And we step out of step with the spirit. And now we're ministering and sowing seeds of discord and death. And the people we're supposed to be helping that we're supposed to be sowing seeds of life into. But in but instead of sowing life, we're sowing death because we're not doing what we're supposed to. We've got this greedy mindset, me, 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 on the inside of us, also corrupting the beauty of God inside the people. Um, and, and you just see how far it takes you and how much destruction it can cause just because you are trying to one-up your brother or your sister or your employee or some whoever. It doesn't matter. And... And it's sad that it, it's like that, and it doesn't have to be that way. That That's just a, what happens when we choose not to stay with the Holy Spirit, when we choose to go off on our own trail and do our own thing. And it, it stinks. It's terrible. It's bad. And nobody, I've never, ever heard anybody say, hey, I want to go to hell. But in a sense, you do if you're not willing to submit to God Hmm. resist the devil and help your brethren that's really there's no straddling the fence so it's clear cut if you're not serving God well we all can surmise who you're serving Mm -hmm. and okay yeah Christ made that very plain Mm -hmm. so it's definitely something we can all learn from Anyone else? Oh, I had something. 
Okay, Kyla. I'm going to look at verses 7 through 9. Mm -hmm. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering, sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. First, I want to talk about verse 7, because that is something that the Lord and I have been talking about recently, fairly recently, like the meaning behind that. And especially like how it applies to my life or where I can see that in action in my life. And he equated it to me this way, like if I have a nagging fear or something that's bothering me, anything that's not total peace and shalom, then I'm allowing the devil to creep in and rob for me in areas, even if it looks innocent, like, oh, I'm just worried that they're going to hurt themselves. No, well, you should trust the Lord, that he'll take care of them. He, the Lord keeps those you commit to him. He keeps the things we commit to him, yes. Yes. We should first start with ourselves. <laughs> of course. Yes. And he, was, he equated it to me this way. If I, fear is a choice, he said, fear is a choice, mm -hmm. just like salvation was a choice. You had to believe that you were saved and confess with your mouth. Absolutely. Just like you had to believe that the Lord will take care of you, that the Lord cares for you enough that he'll handle all your problems. You don't have to fear. You don't gain anything by worrying or doubt because I, chew, I can chew my fingernails all day. That's not going to prevent anything from happening that I don't want to happen. Nor does it provide a solution to the problem. It really doesn't. I just have situation at hand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so? But he told me that it's a choice and you have to actively choose it. Just like there's some debate. Um, of course, seek the Lord about this, but I don't believe in the once saved, always saved. It's an active choice to mm -hmm. choose Christ. Just like how Judas, you, people would argue, Judas was saved. He was one of the twelve, but he fell away in the end. There, there were many. Gideon was another example, right? Exactly. Yes, there, there are definitely Samson. examples. Samson. Uh, what about um, Saul? Solomon. Oh, that too. Oh. Okay, right. So these are all people that were used mightily by the Lord, but did they remain? Right. Jesus even acknowledged it and saying, uh, "The desire, uh, the Father's right will, is that you would bear much fruit." And then the second half is and that your fruit would remain. So, faithfulness, being steadfast, matters. Yes. And another example of this continual choice, you have to actively choose not to be afraid, not to stress, not to worry about anything, but to instead trust God with the matter. If you're like, okay, God, this is on my heart and on my mind, turn it over and give it back to him. Because only God can provide the solution. You're not going to do anything. But he also, it's, another example is, you're learning to cook. And the only way to get better at learning how to cook is to practice. And to make multiple dishes and variants and taste the flavors of your ingredients to know. But when you stop cooking, you forget. And then you have to go back and try it again. You can't just, I made a dish one time, I know how to cook. I got five Michelin stars. <laughs> it's a continual practice. Just mm -hmm. like, much like our faith and our walk with God has to be. It's a continual growing and continually trusting in the Lord. As when you start up, when you first come in, you only know so much. Mm -hmm. But you're supposed to continue to grow. Not stay in the same spot, but to grow and to mature and the Lord gives you more understanding as you go along and he cultivates that in you just like your faith grows. You can start off, like how can you start off with the faith like a mustard seed and then, but it can move a mountain. It grows. Mm -hmm. Mustard seeds Absolutely. grow. That's how you get mustard. Faith grows, right? And yes. yes, he says each one's given a measure of faith. But then what is what happens, I believe it's, it's either Luke or Mark, the disciples later to be apostles said, were asked, Lord, increase our faith. So yes, it has to grow. And it as does. we use it, like uh, like a muscle, it does, it grows, it expands. Yes. And it kind of transitions into verse 8. The little nagging doubt, or even just, I'll just worry a little bit, the Lord wants me to worry. Like even parents worrying about their kids, oh, are they going to be okay when they go to school? Eh, trust the Lord. 
he'll take care of them. He loves your kids more than you love them. Absolutely. So trusting in him, and if you allow yourself to be tricked and saying worrying about them is good, you should be concerned, but with a godly concern. As far as the Lord, will, that's okay with the Lord. You shouldn't be overly concerned where it's costing you sleep. Mm. You shouldn't worry, period, right? Exactly. First John talks about that. Those that are, are anxious or nervous or worried have not been perfected or matured in love. Exactly. So, uh, and God is love. So, in Him, in His ways. So, that's a, that's a great point. And I love how you bring this up. And as I read this, I'm also reflecting on on Peter and how he is able to write about it. He's discussing without discussing the specifics. Right? In Galatians 2, there is a, a confrontation that happens between the Apostle Paul and Peter. Um, really begins at verse 12. And the why. Right? So we know Peter was clearly a called and, and given the office of an apostle and yep he shepherded the flock he did all those things but he can still in writing this you can see how he's, he's acknowledging that he gave the enemy a place right paul had to the apostle paul called him out to his face and, and it says and he stood condemned because he was guilty and 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 yes he was admonished by Paul in an effort to bring him back in. Right? And the fact that Paul had to do it, clearly we know the pattern of the Lord. Right? He, uh, he goes to you and approaches you first through his Holy Spirit to, to admonish us, to convict us, and, and allow us the opportunity to bring that in. Where clearly that had not happened. Right? Which is why the Lord had to then send Paul to admonish him and, uh, and rebuke him. Yeah, which is that, but in verse 8, as you were pointing out, which is the second half, is the acknowledgement of, hey, he gave the enemy a place because he was concerned of what others thought. So then there became this, this teaching of, well, you've got to follow these tr- customs and traditions. And, right, and this is the same person who received the dream that said, all foods are clean, right? And, and, the dream, the vision, and then was was asked to go, uh, led by the Lord, to go minister to the Gentiles. But now here he is in in Galatians, encouraging those same people to now adhere to these other religious customs and traditions. So, I find it interesting that he can acknowledge now when he's writing this, all this time later, without going into the specifics, that yes, this happened. But he has learned and grown and matured and is now passing on that same wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that he received to others so that they don't make the same mistake. And knowing that it's only accomplished really by grace, by grace, submitting to God, resisting the devil, which is verse 9, right? Mm-hmm. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. People are tried, they're challenged, there are all these things, right? Uh, we've covered the scripture, Dover rolls, roars around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Mm-hmm. But let's not make it easy, right? Let's be a hard target. Steadfast in the Lord. We have, as we discussed, his armor and all the, his word to the living word. the living word and the sword of the spirit and all these things to, to that the Lord has given us to protect and to stand against the enemy. We actually have to stand, though. We stand in the Lord and let Him fight our battles. But we still have a, a, a role and a responsibility in that. So, yes, great point. Anyone else? Yeah, I, I, I'll go. All right, promise. Okay, the Lord's bringing to my attention first. Uh, three. Wait. Sorry, not verse three. Verse five. Okay. And all the way to the... to eleven. And it says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your uh, elders. 
Yes, all of you be submissive to one another, and be clothed with humility. For Cyrus is the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But, but many... Many, okay. but may the God of all grace who called, called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while perfect, wait, perfect, established, strengthened, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay. What the Holy Spirit ministers to you about that section? In the first section, the Lord brought me to James 7 to... James, what chapter? Oh, sorry. James 4, 7 through 10. Tell favorite chapter. Mm -hmm. Okay. What does it say? It says, therefore, submit to God. Wait, back up a bit. I'll read it verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Mm -hmm. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Limit, limit and mourn and weep. Let, uh, let's go to verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Okay. Want to tie those together, sir? You've got two sections of scripture. So you want to explain what the Holy Spirit was ministering to you with both of those? Yes. Okay. Well, let's hear it. Like when Peter was talking about that with being humble, those are just showing with both scripture, parts of it is talking about being humble. And that the Lord will raise you. But the Lord is also showing me that with those scriptures, it's not taking, pretend, using fake humility so that the Lord will, at an attempt to make the Lord raise you up, but being actual, hum, actually humble and going, mm. well, it's not, it wasn't me who did this. It's the Lord, it's the Lord that did this. Well, fake humility would be deception, yeah? Yes. Okay, and actually being humble would be like Christ. Right? He gave thanks to the Lord for everything. He, All the actions, all the words he spoke were because that's what the Father gave him to say and to do in that moment. But he did them and he was obedient so that the Father would be glorified, which is our Heavenly Father, would be glorified in the earth, which is the same thing he prays about in John, the Gospel of John 15, right? Yes. Okay. He glorified the Father on earth, having accomplished all that the Father gave him to do, right? Okay. So, we should be doing the same things. Jesus is our pattern example. We have to do things to achieve his results, if you will. And as Jesus said, even greater works than these we will do. Well, we have to do things the Father's way, just like Jesus. And that's why he sent us the Holy Spirit, so that we can accomplish them. So the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us, because he takes from the Father and discloses it to us, what we're to say, what we're to do, in the very moment. So back to Kyle's point, we, do, we have no need to worry. Our faith that we're using should be active, right? It should be using it. So it should be active in all things, all the time. Growing. Because we're constantly using it. Straining it, as it were, for growth. Right? Or putting pressure on, on our faith so that it grows. Like a muscle. Yeah? Yes. Okay. 
So then we should be strong and strong in the faith, trusting the Lord and moving forward. Yeah? Yes. And, and then I'll wrap it up with this. That's the, unless you have something to share, sir. I have something to share. Okay, well then please do. But utilizing that faith and trusting in the Lord. Uh, I find it interesting that Peter wraps up his end, the end with, Peace be to you all who are in Christ Jesus. It's Christ is the one that brings peace, right? Peace yes. not as the world gives. But our peace, our hope, our faith, our trust should be found in Christ. Go ahead, sir. I found verse 12. Wait, verse 13. Interesting. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. I just found that scripture interesting because it just shows that it is no longer about where you have come from that makes you able and qualified to be elders, more an elder or somebody who leads is more so that you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you and that you actively listen. Because in the Bible, Babylon's referred to normally as a very wicked place in Revelations and in Isaiah, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep, and there's that. But then let's also consider something, right? Where did the Lord call Abraham from? Babylon. Or of the Chaldea, which is right by Babylon. Technically, yes, it is. it was in Babylon. But it matters. And actually you see that in, in Ezekiel. I believe it's Ezekiel. Well, and a Jeremiah. lot of those that were scattered end up there, staying there too later. Mm-hmm. So that's yes. a, so a big, big part of the Christian settlement would have, um, or Absolutely. the Jewish settlement would have remained in that area that did not return back to Jerusalem, Amen. especially when they were encouraged yep. to take root there. <laughs> yes. Well, th- there's that, but then there's also the interesting thing in, in Ezekiel, I believe it's chapter eight, where at one moment he's standing in Jerusalem on uh, where the temple was essentially, and then he's picked up by the Lord and brought over to Ur of Chaldea, right, which is the starting place, right, if you will, of Abraham in, in a moment. Like, I mean, that's just incredible. But in the reality of things, that's that's kind of what sin does to us. It, it takes us from where we were and reverses course and almost brings us back to the beginning, right? So uh, the... There is a, a significance and importance there as well, and a lesson we can learn. All right, I, I don't want to have to redo the journey if I don't have to. Right, I just want to, as we, as we di- have discussed here. Amen. <laughs> right. It, if I can avoid it, avoid redoing the work that I've already done. Right to get to the same place, uh, I'm going to do what's required of me. Oh, that's the choice I've made. Everyone else has to do that. Never mind the. First and foremost, the the displeasure and, and sadness I'm sure it, it brings to our you know my heavenly Father when I'm disobedient, uh, right? That's the first and foremost thing. The second is, why do I want to re-experience all the miles and miles of this journey just to get to the same place? So press on in the faith keeping it active, utilizing it, moving forward in the Lord, in the things of Him, exhibiting His nature, His character that comes through the Holy Spirit that He has given us and that lives and dwells on the inside of you that have come into the faith and accepted or submitted to our Lord and Savior. So it's a great point, sir. Great point. Anyone else have anything they want to add or share? No. no. All right. Well, let's let's wrap up there. So, can I get someone to close this out in prayer, please? I will. All right. I promise. Let's hear it, sir. Lord, I just thank you for continuing to dwell on our mis and not leaving us at any moment, but leading us by the hand and showing us what's coming and what already came just giving us insight in your word and not leaving us blinded 
in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, I, I don't know about everyone else, but I've definitely enjoyed this, this study in First Peter. And um, we, will, we will be continuing here with Second Peter. So, so stay tuned, listen to that, and, um, or join us for that, I should say. But in the meantime, we love you. We are keeping you all, all the saints, lifted up in prayer. So we love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.